Have you ever thought about doing your own podcast? If you have, the best answer for doing one is Anchor. Anchor is your one-stop shop for recording, posting, and distributing your podcast. Anchor is available to download for your Apple or Android devices, or you can go to anchor.fm. Best of all, it's 100% free and so easy to use. So what are you waiting for? If you want to start your own podcast, download the Anchor app now or go to anchor.fm. That's A-N-C-H-O-R. Anchor, the best way to make your podcast. is the Mofobo Network Podcast, bringing you the most up-to-date news in the wide world of sports. Now, here's your host, Neil Villapiano. What's going on, everybody? It's your host, Neil Villapiano, and welcome to another edition of the Mofobo Network Podcast here on Anchor or Spotify. As always, thank you guys so much for taking some time out of your day to take a listen. And it's we have a very interesting topic to talk about today. We're actually going to be talking about a specific soccer team in Major League Soccer, and that is the New York Red Bulls. I'm a Red Bulls fan. My guest today who's joining me is a Red Bulls fan. And... I think it's safe to say throughout most Red Bulls fans, they are not happy with the way the Red Bulls performed in the MLS is back tournament down in Florida. But like I mentioned, we do have a guest today. So luckily for me, I am not alone as I'm here with another big Red Bulls fan. His name is Andre Mosley. Andre, welcome to the Mofobo Network podcast. How are you doing today? Thanks. I'm doing pretty good. Uh, yeah, uh, watching that tournament. It, it wasn't great. It started off real good, and then after that, yeah, oh man, it, it was it was awful. So yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, talk so, about this tonight. Yeah, no doubt. And we're we're very happy to have you on today to to kind of um, update you know people who are are not aware of what happened. So the Red Bulls came into the Major League Soccer is back tournament in Group E with the Columbus Crew, FC Cincinnati, and Atlanta United. So. They, they had a legitimate shot of getting out of the group. Um, I think, obviously, the main uh, opponent was going to be Atlanta. And then, obviously, with Columbus, they were going to be a tough team, no doubt. And FC Cincinnati, no disrespect to them, but I think that a lot of people expected them to be probably the easiest of the three teams that the Red Bulls were going to face in the preliminary rounds. So, and, and like you mentioned, Andre, the Red Bulls got off to a good start in just the fourth minute of the first game against Atlanta, Florian Below scored the first and only goal of the game as the Red Bulls stunningly beat Atlanta United one to nothing, which I think was at that point the shock of the tournament. I don't think people expected the Red Bulls to win that game and to only win it one nothing. I think it was I think it was more expected there was going to be a couple more goals. But um but Andre, you know, what what were your feelings after, you know, finding a way to win that first game? Uh, I mean, overall, I thought the team played very well that game. The team looked dominant that game, honestly. I mean, I know you can look you can look at the stats and be like, sure, Atlanta had like, what, 70% possession, but they didn't really do much with it. They only had one or two major cha- chances, which I, sh- which I would say should have been a goal. Mm-hmm. Other than that, completely, we just didn't let them do anything with the ball. The pressing was brilliant. 
mean, we created a whole bunch of chances, and it turns out that one goal kind of bit us. That only one goal we scored bit us in the butt. But and I honestly thought we were, could have scored more that game. It could have been a far more comfortable victory. I, I definitely agree. I think that they, you know, the Red Bulls came out, you know, like a house on fire and looked determined that they were going to try to score more than they ended up scoring. Um, but obviously after the win, I think it's safe to say that there was a lot of confidence. There was a lot of belief that, okay, now we're definitely going to get out of, you know, the, the group because we beat Atlanta United. Now we're playing Columbus, which again is a very tough team, especially defensively to get through. But still, I think the Red Bulls, knowing the way that they sometimes can come out in these games, may have had success. Well, unfortunately, it didn't go their way as they did not score and ended up losing two to nothing, which put them needing a win or a tie against FC Cincinnati to somehow make it out of the group. And yeah, it was probably the worst of the three games. Uh, it just seemed like from the get-go that the Red Bulls, even though they had most of the attack early on, they they, they didn't seem like they had a sense of urgency. They seemed like they were okay with just parking the bus and just trying to get a tie. And as a result, FC Cincinnati took advantage of some mistakes. One in particular, um, Tarek made, I don't know if it was trying to make a pass or he was just blocking something, but as a result, he left the ball pretty much right in the open. And as a result, one of the FC Cincinnati players was able to knock it home to give them a one nothing lead. And then in the second half, you had the misplay own goal that made it two nothing FC Cincinnati, and that was ended up being the final score and pretty much knocked out the Red Bulls as they finish getting only three points out of a possible what nine, and they ended up getting outscored four to one in the three games. And I have to tell you, Andre, in the time that Chris Armas has been the manager of this team. That might have been the worst I've ever seen them play, especially when they played FC Cincinnati. They did not look like they had any life whatsoever. They didn't look like they were in any sense of urgency that they, you know, hey, we have to win this game. We have to find a way to get through. We can't rely on other people to get us in. What, what was your feeling uh, as a whole looking at the way the Red Bulls played in this tournament? Well, in my opinion, I think the Columbus game was the worst one I've ever seen the team play. Um, in my personal opinion, I'm sure there's some worse games from some older fans, like back in the Metro days. But yeah. that Columbus game, I mean, we were just there was the offense was just non-existent the whole game. Like we literally didn't put a shot on target, I and I only only took like four or five shots the whole game because Columbus just completely dominated us. Even with like the pressing, you notice it I during the Atlanta game where they had to send balls diagonally, but they were doing it with their center backs. Mm -hmm. But Columbus was dropping back either uh, Nagby or uh, Burhalter's son, whatever his name is. Yeah, I know. Bastion, Girl, I think. Yeah, I know and he about. was the one sending those balls. And obviously, right. a midfield is going to be a lot better at sending those balls. In the Cincinnati game, we played a lot better, but we still just weren't putting shots on target. And right. another one issue I had with the Cincinnati game was that we didn't start a natural striker. We started. Royer and Omer up top. Yeah, that was those that guys was aren't natural strikers. That was a surprise because I thought that in a situation like that where you need the three points, you know, yeah, obviously if you tied, you still had a pretty good shot, but you know, it's better to win and to just make it pretty clear that you're gonna get in. I, I would have thought that Armis would have wanted to put, you know, everything on the line right there and be as aggressive as possible, including with who he puts out as the starting eleven. And to see Royer and and it just didn't make a lot of sense to me when I saw the lineup. 
Yeah, it didn't make much sense to me either because my thinking was, well, Brian White is going to start. I mean, he scored as many goals as he did last year. He averaged like a goal every other game, which Bradley Wright Phillips always said that was his target to at least score a goal every other game. But that's what Brian White did. And you could say, and sure, you could say he had a slow start to the season, but Mm -hmm. it was only two games. And that was months ago. Right. That was so three and a half months ago. Wasn't he starting? It didn't, it was, it was crazy because, you know, I've had some Red Bulls tell me, oh, we, we need another striker. And, and I've said, well, we also have Brian White and we haven't given him the opportunity to really excel and to really develop the way that we want him to. Because like you mentioned, he was getting, he, he yeah, he got up to a slow start, but like, again, it was only two games. Then we had the, the, the shutdown and then we get back into it. And I would have thought, that Armis would have wanted to put out his biggest guns that he had, albeit not many, but still his biggest guns and his most attacking offense in this position because FC Cincinnati's defense is not great. I mean, they did give the Red Bulls a lot of opportunities to go right up the middle and basically take shots on goal. And I just felt like at times the Red Bulls were being instructed not to be as aggressive, to be okay with not finding a way to get this win. And that is what infuriated me because I've been to plenty of Red Bulls games, especially in the Armist era, where that just seems to be the case. They come out like a house on fire in the first 45. Second 45, they look like that they've never played the sport in their life and they have no idea how to shoot the ball. It just, it, it, it's, it just didn't make it a lot of sense because there was just so many times, there's been so many times where this happens over and over again and fans are saying, how much longer is Chris Armis allowed to do this before his time is up? Because I think at this point, there's no justification that you can have for him sticking around anymore. There it is. Everybody's – I mean, I can, I can see why. Because when you think, think about where the team was in 2018 when Jesse was here, right. and Armis kind of took the reins from there, and he almost led us all the way to the MLS Cup. And I will always – I always believed that that Eastern Conference final between Atlanta was the actual MLS Cup. Mm. And whoever won that would have won. So even if we won that, who was it that year? Portland? We would have yeah. beat Portland. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, and then last year, wasn't that great of a year, but 2017 also wasn't that great of a year. And that was the year after, you know, we almost won the Shield in 2016 after a slow start. Mm-hmm. But it's hard because one thing I know, I mean, Chris Armis has done just did something that Jesse Marsh was always trying to do but never did, and that was implement the four two two two, as that was, that was three twos, right? Yeah. No, you're <laughs> he, right. He, he's he's the one who's actually yeah. implemented that. But yeah. the only issue with the implementation is that we don't have the roster for it. Right. We didn't have the team for our. You know, it's one of those situations, that, and I'm a I'm a big hockey fan, and I'm a big fan of like. A big, I'm a big thing about coaches having certain, you know, styles of play, how they want to, you know, formations very much like the game of the game of soccer. And one of the things that I've always said, what makes a good coach is creating a system around the players that you have, not a system that you just want the players to run. And, and I think Armis has constantly tried to implement a system or systems around the team that we don't have. We don't have a system based off of that. Yeah, and another. Th- thing about the system is you have to think of like what kind of like person Armis is like Jesse was like super hard super aggressive you know and that's what 
part of the thing that makes the pressing system work. You have to be aggressive, and mm-hmm. that's just the kind of person Jesse was. You need to have that on-field leader, like too. And we, I don't necessarily see that in any of the players, like a super aggressive leadership or somebody that's going to like, you know, like we can think of somebody like Tyler Adams, for example. Like he was, you know, he's only like a, he was only like an eighteen-year-old kid, but he's getting everybody on the field. And we don't necessarily have that type of player or that type of coach. And Armis, he isn't as aggressive of a person, so. I feel like your coaching style will kind of emulate your personality. Yeah. And I feel like trying him trying to implement this high pressing system with this the four triple two formation, it just doesn't match with his him. Yeah, and, and I like what you said about how Armis has a different coaching style and in different tor- t- type of, I guess you would say, personality. Because with 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 Jesse, even at Red Bull Light, you know, Salzburg that I've seen. He is very demanding. He's very, you know, loud. He's boisterous. He constantly wants to push the players past their limits. With Armis, it was almost like a complete 180 of a guy that just didn't seem like he was as aggressive, as demanding, and implemented a system that just kind of took away from what a lot of people used to praise the Red Bulls for, which was constant attacking, constant being in your face, you know, making it very difficult to get out of your own, you know, zone and trying to have a counterattack. And, and once Armas took over, at times it, it, it's looked like, and especially during this tournament, that there just wasn't any life. Like there wasn't any sense of urgency that, oh, we got to do this. We have to win, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it was like, that I think was more infuriating than anything. Because to me, I was like, we need a guy in here that's going to get in these players' faces, demand a lot more from them, and try to be more aggressive. And I've used these two examples, and I don't know how fair this is to say, but from my opinion, because I haven't watched soccer as much as maybe a lot of people that listen, but I will say that I have watched, you know, Atlanta United and LAFC over the past, you know, few years that they've been in the MLS. And one thing that they've always been consistent at is being an attacking team. Now, they do have the talent and the play. they obviously have the players to do it, but they constantly have been that way. And I've said, how can't the Red Bulls do the same thing? Why can't they do the same thing? Why can't they try to be more aggressive in the market and try to get some more players in here that can have a system like that? And I used, and this might be a really, you know, far out, you know, example, but I looked at the way Atalanta played this year in City A and pretty much throughout the entire season. They have a 3-4-1-2 system, I believe, under Gian Piero Gasparini. And they have 96 goals in City A. I think it might have changed. Uh, I don't know what the score of their game was today. But it was like 2-1. Yeah, so you add you, – they've nearly reached 100 goals in City A. They have 119 goals in total. And that, to me, is the definition of being an attacking team. He's taken the players that he has. He understands who they are and implemented the system that works. I think that the Red Bulls could find a coach that has a system like that with the players that we have and make them an attacking team again because when the Red Bulls were really, you know, rocking, like I mentioned with Jesse Marsh, that was what that was all about, attacking football, constantly being in your face. I just don't see that from Armas. Yeah, it's hard to see because you can kind of see where he's trying to go with the press. I know he's mentioned it a lot, trying to be like kind of like Nagelsmann for Leipzig. Or right. it's more of like a low block and like not as high up the field, but just kind of like here's a line of engagement. We're going to press like the center, like even like press like the six, like the central defensive midfielders. Mm-hmm. But the thing like it, it just goes back to the whole personnel issue. Like the players we have 
like we have, we have so many attacking midfielders and wingers and we don't have like that one guy as a striker. Yeah. And, and I thought Brian White would be that guy, but apparently yeah. he's not that guy. And if we keep trying and apparently in the market to buy a striker. So either that means White and Barlow, I guess that means they aren't it. Uh, and then that brings up another question. What's going on with uh, Jorgensen? Well, I think like he was hurt all tournament, but yes, yeah, and that's the thing. I think I think it's you know I really liked it when the Red Bulls got him originally because of what he was capable of doing, but I think he's just not been able to you know change his game for the way MLS is played because with every different league it's played differently. So I think Jurgensen has had a tough time adjusting, and Armis might not be the coach that's good in, that's good for him to help him understand that. I. I put out this tweet uh, late on July 23rd, so that was uh, last Thursday, because um, my friend, um, he actually showed me uh, Bradley Wright Phillips, who's at LAFC at the time, scoring for like the umpteenth time in the MLS tournament. I think he's close to being one of the top goal scorers in the tournament. And I said, so let me see if I understand this. The Red Bulls have, and this is no disrespect, but mediocre talent, especially up front, yet they don't keep their greatest goal scorer of all time and he's doing well with LAFC. I'm sorry, but Denny Hamlet and Armis must go. RBNY is a shell of what they once were. That's so Metro. I got to be honest with you, Andre. I was pretty confused and a little bit upset. Not a little bit, but pretty upset when the Red Bulls decided they were going to move on from Bradley Wright Phillips. And I know that he was originally going to probably sign with LAFC before the season started, and then it didn't work out. Now he's back. He comes to the tournament with LAFC, and he's been dominating right from the first game. And honestly, I think LAFC has probably the highest chance of going on and winning this whole tournament. And Bradley Wright Phillips is a big reason why. And it just – it kind of makes the Red Bulls look pretty bad when they've they scored all of one goal the entire tournament while Bradley Wright Phillips is turning back the clock and being the dominant scorer that he was for many years with the Red Bulls. Uh, I'm going to have to disagree with you a little bit on that one okay. and say and defend Armis and uh, Hamlet because okay. it wasn't their choice. Ownership. Ownership, yeah. Ownership Bradley said in the podcast, they wanted him. Uh, big guys up top, they wanted to go younger. And now Brad's had all this time to heal up, and he's scoring again. Yeah, it really does suck to see, and he's playing with such a fun team. Like the players they have in LAFC is insane. Rossi, Rossi, and Brian Rodriguez, who, by the way, was a discovery list player for the Red Bulls. Yeah, I don't like <laughs> I don't like it when my fr- my my Red Bulls friends always mention all these really good players and other teams. Like, oh, the Red Bulls actually discovered them. Like, then why don't they have them? If they discovered them, why don't they have them? Like, I don't understand that. Like, these type some of these like rules and the way it ends up happening like infuriate me. Because, you know, I'm an American sports fan trying to learn how this all works. So I get – I have to ask multiple questions about why is it that easy for them not to get the player that they discovered. So, but yeah, – These roster rules are insane. You, and are. Uh, speaking, actually speaking of roster rules, I don't know if you were going to get to this. Another point I have is the two guys that we signed so far this year, Pendant yeah, go ahead. and Egbo. Yeah. So, I mean, Pendant was starting. I mean, uh, so – I mean, we have Segrist and Tolkien behind him. I don't know what's going to happen with Tolkien. I mean, I'm pretty sure he was down there in Orlando, but I never he saw him He was with roster. the team, but never played at all. I don't necessarily don't get that. Why. why would they sign him to a homegrown contract and then right. not even give him, like, a little bit of play time? Right. And especially in the tournament, such short days give some rotation. And then Egbo is just chilling on the bench the whole time behind Duncan. 
And at what point is it like we only have but so many international players we can sign? Like at this point, I would just I know fans don't necessarily like him. We should have just kept uh, Reese Buckmaster. He could have been a backup to Duncan. Yeah, I think he was a good backup option. It'd be better than having Agavo just chilling on the bench, taking up an international spot that can be used on other players. Yeah, I mean they, they. you know, the Red Bulls have always been praised for how well their academy uh, develops players. And I think that maybe sometimes the organization takes that for granted and doesn't give the players that really deserve the opportunity to play, play. Uh, one guy that I'll say that even though he might be pretty young, but he's already taking a lot of notice is Caden Clark, who's playing with Red Bull too. I mean, he's taken that team by storm. And I've had people talk to me like, this kid is the real deal. Like he really has the potential to be a, a really talented player. And if I'm not mistaken, he's, he's a Barcelona Academy player. He was with Barcelona's Academy. Yeah, their residential academy in right. Uh, Arizona. Right, before he came to, the, to, to Red Bull too. And, and, and I hope that the Red Bulls take a look at him. I know there's the possibility that MLS may come back with a somewhat regular season within the next month or like whenever the tournament is over. So I don't know how that's going to work out, but – you know, I, you know, I guess we'll see what happens with that. But, you know, I, I do see where you're coming from with the ownership because, you know, it's like with a lot of sports in the United States where sometimes we just blame the GM or the coach or whatever, but sometimes it could be the ownership that really is preventing the team itself from being successful. And, and you know, Red Bull owns a handful of different soccer teams around the world. And I do feel like sometimes that Red Bull doesn't treat the New York Red Bulls as well as they treat some of the other clubs, particularly Leipzig and Salzburg. I mean, those two teams have been very successful over the past couple of years. And I feel like the Red Bulls sometimes are just, they're one or two major talented players away from being a competitive MLS Cup champion. And I just feel like the Red Bull ownership doesn't want to try to go out and be that aggressive with the money and trying to get somebody like that in here. I don't know who that is, but- It's hard. It, it, yeah. it just goes back to the whole roster rule thing because in Germ- Germany, Austria, even Brazil with a new team, Bragantino, you don't necessarily have all these hard restrictions on the amount of money you can spend mm-hmm. on players. So you can't necessarily just go all out and build like any kind of roster. I mean, I would like to see another DP signing. Unfortunately, Jobs Sims didn't work out. It was just, I mean, well, that's, that's just unfortunate. We never, you know, because again, with the fact that like he came in late in the year last season, then we, you know, he was going to play ha- at least half this season and then we don't have a season and then basically he's gone. It, it almost felt like we just spent money on nothing. No disrespect to Josh Sims because he has potential, but it just felt like we didn't, we spent the money on nothing. Yeah. I would love to see the team bring in another DP because we only have one. It's just a matter of, where do you want to bring in that right. person? Because right. apparently we're looking for a striker. We were linked to this one guy, League One, Ivan Tony, yes. And then we were linked to this uh, midfielder from Brentford who actually just – I think it was actually in for Ivan Tony. I saw something earlier today that they might be trying to sign him. And I think – I'm trying to – I think this might be like a lot of uh, Bellwell, you know, being the new sporting director. He's like above Hamlet, I'm pretty sure. He is. But he, I, the thing I – He's technically Hamlet's boss right now. That's pretty much how the ranking goes. So yeah, the thing I would want to see personally is, I mean, we might start seeing this a little bit now that there's the new Red Bull team down in Brazil. 
is I want to see more South American players mm. coming up here, young South mm. American players. I was writing an article for once a Metro. I don't know exactly what happened yeah. with that, but and there was there's like especially for looking for a striker, there were so many like strikers down there that I think we'd be able to be we'd reasonably be reasonably be able to sign and that would be really useful. There was this one guy, he actually just signed to uh Mm-hmm. So the way his club worded was funny. That he signed to City Football Group. He signed to uh, this Belgian this team, Lomo. Oh, okay. His name was Manfred Ugalde. He's like 18 years old. And we totally could have made like a decent offer. And the amount of money we offered for Evan Tony offered mm-hmm. like the same amount, maybe even less. And that's our guy. And you can sell him off. And I think that's the direction the team should start to go. Start looking more towards South America instead of these guys that are playing lower leagues in England. I think that I think that makes a lot of sense because you're starting to see a lot of MLS teams go down to those areas and collecting a lot of really good talent. And I think that if the Red Bulls kind of follow suit, that will probably give them an opportunity to find a really talented player or two, particularly a striker that could help out, you know, obviously up front. Now, I want to shift a little bit to talking about specifically, you know, Chris Armis. And, and also I want to talk a little about Atlanta United because Atlanta United, whether you want to call it surprising or not, decided a couple days ago to part ways with their head coach at the time, Frank DeVore, who is considered possibly the worst head coach in Premier League history, uh, according to many. Um, but anyway, I said that, look, the biggest reason, in my opinion, he didn't, he didn't last is because they underachieved. They didn't really, just like the Red Bulls, they just didn't come out like they wanted to get past the preliminary round. And as a result, you saw Columbus and Cincinnati, which – I think we're probably two of the least likely teams in that group to come out of it ended up being the ones that advanced. So Frank DeBoer was, you know, you know, relieved of his duties. And then I saw something earlier today from Christian Dyer, who said an interesting name to keep an eye on for the Atlanta United coaching vacancy is former New York Red Bull himself, Tim Cahill. He's interested in the job and could be in line for an interview with the MLS club, former teammate Thierry Henry at Montreal now. <laughs> I'm trying to understand something. Armis has done less than Frank DeBoer. Yes. Yet Armis somehow kept his job and Frank DeBoer got fired. Now, another former Red Bull, which we've already had Thierry Henry at Montreal and um, Todd Ramos at Houston, possibly a third former Red Bull it could be another head coach and of all teams at Lanny United – Andre, you may have to explain. I can't figure it out as to how the Red Bulls, with how they've done things, especially with Armis, that somehow Armis is still considered the best option for this Red Bull team when you see Atlanta United already trying to go out and get another, you know, big, I guess you would call it somewhat big-time coaching name. I will be – I was – when I saw that uh... – Atlanta and parted ways of the Boers. Actually, kind of surprised because you think about it, they won the Open Cup last year. They won the Campionas Cup, if you want to consider that uh, a real title or not. And they were going to participate in the Lee's Cup this year, the most prestigious, most prestigious tournament in North America this year. And and then this year, I mean, yeah, they weren't playing great, but the situation's insane. The first game, they lose Joseph Martinez for the whole entire year, and I mean. Don't get me wrong. You should definitely have some kind of contingency in case you lose literally your best player. But at the same time, you lost Joseph Martinez. Right. Then you have 
you suddenly stop playing for a whole bunch of months. And then you, I mean, yeah, they played terrible right. during those three games, but I was honestly surprised. But I think the reason we won't see many former Red Bull players is the whole, the system. Cause that's the way, cause that's the, the way Red Bull Global decided all yeah. through, for all their teams. This is how they want to play. You know, this is what we're going to do. And, being with other teams gives you a lot more autonomy to make your own decisions about your system and the way you want to play. So I think it's just a matter of do players, do these guys want to coach that system? Right. 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 So that kind of brings me to my next question, Andre, you know, being a fan and obviously being very knowledgeable about this club, do you believe that it is time for the Red Bulls to move on from Chris Armas? Do you honestly believe? And if you say no, that's fine. I, I would just like to hear, your thoughts on that situation? I will give a disclaimer that I have interned, not work, interned for the Red Bulls in the past. And okay. hopefully one day we'll get a full-time right. job, maybe. So I'm not going to explicitly say right. anything. But right. I, think either one, I think either one or two things need to happen. Armas needs to go against Red Bull Global and change the <laughs> system because clearly it's not working for him. Either that or what I think is much more likely to happen regardless is we need a roster overhaul. Yeah, I like, think that might end up being the, the, the more likely scenario, in my opinion. That, that was something that some people were talking about. It says, look, it doesn't seem like Armis has any shot of being let go anytime soon. So it might just be – we might just have to go to plan B and that is to just completely overhaul this team. I, and I, I've, I've been thinking this – thinking through this ever I, I mean I personally I've personally thought for at least the past year or so that uh Royer should have should be traded that's just my opinion but the thing is with the four triple two if you're gonna run it the way it's run you can't Roy I mean Royer's a good player but he's a, right. not a forward he's a winger right so you should drop him down to the wing mm-hmm. but then we now we have so many attacking midfielders and the wingers yeah, like Kaku, for example, he's much better centrally than he is out wide. So, are you going to drop him back to play deeper and replace either Caceres or your captain Sean Davis, or are you going to keep him out wide? That's a that's it's a great just question. that is a great question. It's just like, what do you do with these players? And then apparently we only have two center back options. Only mm-hmm. one of which seems to be – no, I can't even say that because even Long made a really bad mistake towards a goal. But, like, Parker went in that one game against Atlanta, and, oh, my God, it's like he's going to get yeah. it away. Yeah. And, like, I, I just think there just needs to be a complete I – just, I just think this roster needs a serious overhaul. It needs to trade some guys. Uh, if Kaku wants to go, sell them mm-hmm. to America for three million, four or five, however cheap they want right. to be. And then we'll have no DPs, but now you – gives you a lot more room to just build right. a new roster. Yeah, no, I think it makes – I think if you're obvi- – if the Red Bulls are fine with keeping Armis, then you have to go this other way. I don't think after this tournament you can really sit here and say that we can – we just have to keep doing the same thing. You know, it's like what Taylor Twelman said, you know, a couple, you know, a year change ago when the when United States did not make the World Cup. He said the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, knowing the result. The same thing here. You keep doing it the way you've been doing it. It's you're, you're not going to get any better. Like the results are not going to all of a sudden get better. One thing that was definitely somewhat of a concern was 
I, when I was watching and listening to the Red Bulls game against FC Cincinnati, I forgot which announcer said it, but they did a research thing that said that the Red Bulls have lost 46 or 47 matches now after conceding the first goal. Like their record after, right. Moreno pointed that out. And I was like, this has to be man. This has to be coaching without a doubt. Like, I know it's not fully Armist because he's not, he hasn't been long enough, but like a lot of it has been him. Like for some reason, it's always been attack the first 45 and then back up on the second 45. Even if the game is tied, it's like, we never just keep attacking, keep pressing, keep pushing the envelope. It just seems like it gets to that point. Now, one thing, again, speaking of Taylor Twoman that I wanted to get your opinion on was, I think, a, I don't know if you call it a hot take, but something that I think rubbed a lot of Red Bulls fans the wrong way, because it ended up somewhat proving to be not fully true, was Taylor Twoman had replied to, or I guess he had retweeted Bradley Wright scoring one of the handful of goals he scored for LAFC, and basically badmouthed the Red Bulls saying that they're not what they used to be and that they don't go out and, you know, find players like Bradley Wright Phillips anymore. They don't try to, you know, compete like that. Um, what are your thoughts about, you know, Taylor Twelman saying something like that? Do you agree with him? Do you disagree? Is it a little bit of both? What is it? Well, I mean, uh, it's hard because it's, when you think about it, nobody expected Bradley Wright Phillips to become what he became. That's Let's true. just be perfectly honest. With I don't think anybody expected him when he first signed to become a club legend scoring goals for fun. Mm-hmm. But it just goes back to that whole idea of, like, what is your philosophy on how you want to build your roster? Do you mm-hmm. want to do, like, the money ball thing where you go young and you buy all these players that you eventually want to sell on? Right. Do you, or do you want to spend a whole bunch of money on a roster and, and, it, and you just buy a whole bunch of quality players? It, it just goes back to the whole idea of how do you want to build your roster? I think – is a good balance between the two where you're spending solid money on some really good players, but you're also spending some decent amount of money on some prospects yeah. or like some younger guys with a lot of upside. Mm. Yeah. I think the key is to find that balance. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think there is a balance there that can, that can be found. And I said this in one of the, one of the tweets that I put out, I said, look, there is a formula and there is a formation for success that's out there in major league soccer that the Red Bulls can easily you know, implement. They just have to convince themselves that that's the way to do it. That's how we have to do it. It Um, almost worked in 2018. It did almost work in 2018. And unfortunately, in the first leg, I will argue to say I think the Red Bulls got screwed a little bit. But that was just me. Kamari Lawrence being injured. Yeah, it really put the Red Bulls in a bad position right away. Um, But my last thing, Andre, here that I wanted to discuss with you is that let's say by some miracle or by some freak of nature, the Red Bulls decide to part ways with Armas. Let's just, let's just go with Armas. Who would you like to see the mm-hmm. Red Bulls possibly have as the next guy to take over as manager of this club? Who would I like to see? That's a hard one. There's so many... I have one specific that I think <laughs> deserves an opportunity that I feel like people down in Red Bull 2 have said <laughs> before. Um, but that was just mine. But what, what, what say you? I mean, if you're going in the organization, you're thinking Wally, aren't you? Wally, Walniak, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're going within the organization, I think that guy's the most obvious candidate. Uh, worldwide, I can't think of 
I can't think of any coach. Uh, maybe Pochettino. What do you want, buddy? What he would have played the system? Right, well, no, <laughs> he's, you know, the only, he's the only that. like big name coach I yeah, can think I of. Think that's somebody, out. somebody shared something with me that was like, "Oh, Pochettino is very interested in coming to MLS." And then it like somebody retweeted it with a comment just saying the Red Bull. And I was like, <laughs> "If you really think that Pochettino is somehow going to make the Red Bulls better overnight, you're we're going to be sadly disappointed." Maybe I mean, we can find some really good South American coach from like. Uh, like River Plate or uh, some Brazilian team. You know, what's, what's so interesting and fascinating about this sport is that, you know, there's not those typical names that are out there that we know of. It's always somebody that, we, that nobody knows originally until you then do your research and then find out where he's come from. Um, but I feel like Walniak would be probably the first guy that they would look to. Um, maybe as a short-term guy, you know, sometimes they bring in a guy for a year to kind of you know, hold the ship down until they find someone else. Um, but, you know, it's – I personally think that it's time, but, you know, I'm not the man in charge. I'm I actually not, have a better idea. You have Ralph better idea? What was that? Bring in Big Ralph. <laughs> he he, didn't, get to go, he didn't get to go to Milan. For, Let him come for, to New Jersey. For our listeners, why don't you explain who you're referring to? Uh, so he's what is he like the head of uh, Red Bull Global for soccer or something like that? Head head of sporting something like whatever his official title is. He's right. like pretty much the head of Honcho for Red Bull soccer. And Honcho, yep. And he's supposed to be like in charge of us in Bragantino, I think. Is that the that's the South American team, correct? Yeah, that's the team yeah. in Brazil. Who right. was actually they're actually doing really good. They Didn't just they got win promoted. Something? Didn't it? Yeah, I was gonna say they got promoted. They just got promoted from right. to the first division. Wow. Their top, they finished the like. So there's the way the season works in Brazil. This isn't like the regular seasons. Like they have like state championships. Yeah. And they're they were they finished like top of the state championship, and now they're playing in the playoffs on Thursday. But they're doing pretty good. So it'll be interesting to see how that affects will, us. Yeah, I mean that. It should it should affect the the red the New York Red Bulls in a way because I think it's time to really start becoming serious and getting back to having that passion and enthusiasm for for this franchise for this club because even in the Metro Stars days there's just been a lot of passion a lot of you know we have a lot of great alum that have come through and played for this organization and I think that we need to get back to that point because there's a lot of clubs out there who are much younger than the Red Bulls that are doing a lot better and have figured it out a lot quicker than the Red Bulls have had. And um, I think they're fortunate. Like when you, when we think of like LASC and Atlanta, how good they were, they're fortunate that they get to build off a blank slate. Like they don't have a roster. They didn't have a roster already. They get to pretty much pick and choose who they want. They wanted. Yeah. It's no. not like you came in and there's already players here. Like right. Bob Bradley yeah. got to pretty much build that roster from scratch. Right. And Bob Bradley is also, if I'm not mistaken, isn't he a former Metro Star coach or is he, wasn't he involved with the Red Bulls at some point? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was a former coach. So there you go. <laughs> uh, I've argued to say it's kind of ridiculous how many former Red Bull Metro Star people are involved in other teams. And I'm like, it would be great if they were all involved in the Red Bull and just focused on that. That would be awesome. But it doesn't work that way. But, you know, it's going to be interesting. I, I, I mean, you can say with LAFC, you have Rossi, you have Veta, you, you know, you have guys that most likely in a year or two are not going to be in MLS anymore. I think Vela is going to get a big deal from somebody and he's going to go back. Maybe Barcelona. I heard Barcelona like maybe a hundred times. 
they'd have to offer some serious cash. Because I, I, I think that's the only thing he cares about at this point, is just making cash. And unless yeah, they're offering him, like, a lot more than LAFC, look, I, I would stay in L.A. Right, exactly. Why killing it in the league, making yeah. money, living in L.A. And being, and being <laughs> the best player in the league, why would you want it? Right, exactly. Um, and then you have Rossi, who I've talked to some people that say, within the next six months, he's going to get a European offer from someone. Someone oh, is going to yeah. come knocking and give him and want to want to pay top dollar for Rossi. Uh, I, I don't know. Never watched a boring LAFC game, and he's oh. part of it. He's just such an amazing player. He's their defense is also terrible. Yeah, and that's, but that's their the offense thing. is insane. Well, that's their system. <laughs> they focus so much on the offense that their defense is very suspect. So that if you get past their defense, you're going to give yourself a lot of opportunity to succeed. So I mean, look, there is a formula there. I think the Red Bulls just have to figure that out and go from there. And, and maybe they will, you know, and that's the hope. We'll, we'll see. And hopefully they continue to try to stay aggressive in the market to try to, you know, make this team better and try to, you know, reshape the roster. But um, Andre, some good kids. A- and also, just another point, there are some pretty decent kids coming through the academy. So we'll uh, definitely be able to look forward to seeing them on RB2 in the next few years or so. And uh, maybe, hopefully – the first team. If that's what we're going to do is focus right. on the academy so much, and then yeah. you got to at least point – I at least want to point out that we, there are some solid kids coming through. We can only be optimistic. But, but Andre, thank <laughs> you so much for, for taking some time today to, uh, to come on and, and speak about this. this. I thought this was kind of something that – I haven't talk, touched that a lot, and I thought that, you know, with how everything went with the Red Bulls during the tournament and everything, it was a good time to uh, do that. But before I let you go, I do this with all my guests – I'd like to give you an opportunity to kind of promote, um, you know, you know what you're doing on social media, anything, you know, that you're, you're doing right now and uh, how people can get to uh, know you a little bit more. All right. Yeah. Uh, I'm on Twitter at the Dre Mose. Uh, that was the most creative name I could find. And I'm on Instagram at Dre underscore MD. Cause I'm like Dr. Dre. Get I get it? that. No, I, get <laughs> it. I get it. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, you'll see my random takes about pretty much any sport that's on tv that i'm watching a little bit of anime stuff a little bit other random stuff yeah uh currently going for my master's and uh yeah um thank you yeah well yeah i'm a huge fan of this team and it sucks to see the way the tournament went but i mean at the end of the day it was just this like random tournament this season's been a little wonky so i can see but i was too was very upset and i really just want to see this team do well because it's, it's my absolute favorite team to watch. Like any sport that I watch or any, yeah. Well, I, I love hearing the, I love the passion. I really do. Um, I've learned to really appreciate a lot of the fans of Red Bulls are super passionate. And if any fan base deserves to hopefully one day see a t- their team win an MLS Cup, I think the Red Bulls would be one of those clubs that the whole – league would be happy for i think and i might be gray by the time that happens <laughs> <laughs> something crazy will happen that will keep us from and i think about it all the think of all the great teams we had there over the past decade yeah and yeah. they didn't even make it to the mls cup I know. and yeah and they end, and it's always something you know that's why that that's so metro slogan comes out all the time about when the team has such great expectations and then lose to a team on some BS or they Montreal. Lose, you know, right. Or, you know, the, the way the format is in the playoffs is a disadvantage to the Red Bulls or, oh, now it's a one, now it's a single elimination, <laughs> but that still doesn't help. You know, it's like, 
they seem to be always a step behind everyone else. But hopefully with some new changes that will maybe turn around in the near future. But again, Andre, thank you so much for uh, coming on. We'll definitely have you on again um, if we have another continuation of the season or if any big things with the Red Bulls happen. Uh, I'm sure our listeners would love to hear you talk about this club again. So thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. And, and thank you to everybody who listened to this edition of the Mofobo Network podcast. As always, really appreciate you guys taking some time to listen to this one. If you want to check out more, go check out our Facebook page. It's just Mofobo Network, and you will keep up to date with new podcast episodes and also new YouTube videos. And speaking of YouTube, we have a YouTube channel, Mofobo Network Presents, where we post a weekly video. We'll have another video coming out tomorrow, so stay tuned for that. But if you follow the Facebook page, you can stay up to date with both the YouTube and podcast episodes as they come through every week. Follow me on Twitter at T-H-E-N-V-P-S-H-O-W and on Instagram at N-V-P-Q-B-11. I also have a Devils um, podcast for the New Jersey Devils. It's called Devils State of Mind Podcast. It's on the Hockey Podcast Network. We post a new episode every Monday. We just posted one yesterday. All things Devils, all things hockey. Hockey officially returned today which was nice in my opinion, but you know, it was great to see a little bit of hockey, albeit even though the Devils are not involved. But anyway, uh, you can go check out, um, we have a Twitter account at Devil State and Instagram at Devil State of Mind and a Facebook page just like Mofobo, Devil State of Mind, where you can stay up to date with new episodes every single Monday. And you can go pretty much anywhere you can think of for podcasts. Just search Hockey Podcast Network, look up Devil State of Mind, and you can check out the, the episodes we post every Monday. And last, but certainly not least, go check out my book on Amazon.com, J-E-T-S, Pain, 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 which is about the pain and suffering of being a New York Jets fan. So if you're a Jets fan, a football fan, if you know someone who's one of those, or you know, if you just want to support me, go check it out. It's available for hardcover and ebook for the price of $19.69. And if you're a Jets fan, you've probably figured out by now why I chose that price. It's, it, was, it was not hard to find, um, to find that price. So, but, it, but again, thank you to, to Andre. My name is Neil Velpiana, and we will check you all out in the next episode of the Mofobo Network podcast. Everyone continue to stay safe out there. You know, wash your hands. Just try to have a little bit of common sense and, and take care of everyone around you. Exactly, wear a mask. Thank you to all the essential workers out there because without their hard work, we would not be in at least a half decent position right now uh, without them. So thank you to all of them. Thank you to all who listened today and God bless.